Welcome back to the Tax Chick Podcast. And this week, we are going to be discussing the topic of insurance. I did take insurance law in law school, and it taught me the basics. But to be really honest with you, I felt like when I got into the profession and was starting to help clients out who had certain insurance products, or even look at my own insurance products, I didn't really understand what was going on. There's a lot of buzzwords and there's a lot of terms that no one really explains to you. And one of the things I think is really sad about the idea of insurance is that it often gets a bit of a bad rap. And oftentimes those advisors who specialize in providing insurance products get a bit of a bad rap. But the truth is that insurance is actually a really amazing solution to a lot of problems. And I've learned that over the years. I've learned that through discussions with other advisors and collaborators that I work with to help my clients. So the other day, I happened to be meeting with some clients and we were reviewing their estate plan and I asked the question I always ask, do you have any insurance? And the husband and wife looked at each other and kind of scratched their heads and said, well, we think so, but we're not really sure what we have. And and we know we have this policy, but then there's an investment piece and we don't really know why we have it. And it was a really good reminder to me that it's one thing to get insurance. It's another thing to know why you have it. And it's so important to understand the different insurance products that are available. So I decided to grab a couple of friends of mine uh, who have had some great discussions with about uh, estate planning and succession planning and the use of insurance products. And one of those friends is my business bestie, Tracy Duff. And Tracy has been on this podcast before. Tracy and I do a lot of work together. And she grew up in a Saskatchewan family farm, which eventually developed into a multi-generational family business. From childhood, she was exposed to grown-up responsibilities and challenges that are experienced in most family-owned businesses. This life experience developed into a deep-seated understanding of the stages that each business professional must travel in order to develop a path to success. And Tracy holds her BA from the U of S and is a certified financial planner specializing as a corporate advisor. She is the president of Sky Planning Group and has been helping clients achieve their financial goals since 1998. She sits on the advisory council board for Manulife Bank and is a member of KALU, the Conference for Advanced Life Underwriting, as well as the North Saskatoon Business Association, the Saskatoon Estate Planning Council, and the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners. And Tracy has taught me so much about insurance products. I'm also really excited because today I have Jerry Getter as well joining us on the podcast. And Jerry is the managing partner of Continuity which is a firm that specializes in succession and estate planning for entrepreneurs and family businesses across Western Canada and has been in business for more than 34 years. Jerry is a graduate of the College of Commerce at the University of Saskatchewan, and he holds a chartered life underwriter designation. He is also an active member of the Conference for Advanced Life Underwriting, which is an association of the top life underwriters, tax and legal professionals working in the advanced insurance and tax planning markets. Jerry has written and spoken widely on advanced insurance planning, shareholder agreements, charitable gift planning, business succession, and estate planning matters. We are really lucky to have Jerry with us today, and I will be putting some more information about both Jerry and Tracy in the show notes. So without further ado... 
on to the episode. Well, welcome to this episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I'm really excited. I'm back at the Saskatoon Club doing my recording, and I'm hanging out with two uh, people that I really like and admire in the city, Jerry and Tracy. And today we're going to talk about insurance products. And I've learned so much about insurance from these two. I mean, I took insurance law in law school, and so that taught me a little bit. But I feel like I kind of avoided the discussion of insurance products with my clients for years because I didn't understand them. And so over the years, I've learned to ask some questions and I've learned a lot. And so today, Jerry and Tracy are going to teach a little bit of that to you. So we're going to cover a few topics. But first, uh, I always ask my guests the same two questions. And I I asked this off the recording and then Jerry gave me this great answer that I didn't get recorded. So I'm really hoping Jerry can repeat this again um, in our podcast. But the question I asked is, is what is the last podcast you listened to or your favorite podcast? Of course, Jerry joked that it was my podcast, but then he had some other ones. Can you share, Jerry? Well, Amanda, of course it was your podcast. (laughs) But uh, you asked me the second part of that question to say, what else am I reading or listening to that's important and um, there's a fellow by the name of Greg McEwen who's uh, authored a couple of books one is called Essentialism and the other is called Effortless and uh, as a busy business person uh, I think I needed some structure in my life I was doing too many things and too many of them were unimportant and so Essentialism is helping me uh, figure out what's really really important and to focus my time on that and to get rid of the other things. So I'm enjoying that series of podcasts from Greg McEwen quite a bit. Well, and I'm now intrigued. I'm going to have to check that out because I feel like I need some essentialism in my life. (laughs) How about you, Tracy? What have you been listening to lately? Well, good morning. Um, My latest podcast that I listen to is A Lot of Strategic Coach. Yes. And that go. and I think I've said that before where... Uh, it is essentially the same thing of working on the big picture of your business and being able to outsource all of the other things, get the right people on the bus that actually enjoy the business and whatever business it is that a person's doing, that we stay passionate and we will do that when we like doing what we do every day. Yeah, so, Tracy, I forgot you're my first repeat guest. Yes, which, am I? Which Thank makes you. sense because you're my business bestie. Jerry, you're my business bestie too. But but Tracy and I, we've been business besties for a while. And, and Tracy was one of the guests on my inaugural episodes. And I just realized that. So, okay, well, those are good episodes. I, I like hearing about those podcasts. I did check out Strategic Coach after you were talking about it. And that was a great, great podcast. And I think you were listening to Digital Underwriter. Yes. At one point as well, which was great. Yeah, I listened to Digital Underwriter. And then I also do um, about a five-minute read every morning, um, just an inspirational read that keeps me focused on being a steward of the business mm-hmm. that we're in also. So so the Forever Green that I read every day, that gives me the focus on being a steward of the business. It gives me the the way that I can actually help people and touch them in their lives so that they can they can go about their business and keep it successful i love that i love that well i'm i'm excited to have the two of you on today and and you're going to tag team this episode we're tag teaming it with one microphone so this is this is going to be exciting you guys have to share 
for the episode today. And uh, we're going to talk about three topics. And prior to starting the recording, we kind of um, decided how we were going to approach this. Our focus is always to provide information on this podcast that is accessible to everyone. And we really want to go back to basics because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about insurance, types of insurance, how they're taxed. And I I am a firm believer that business owners deserve to understand the insurance products that they're buying. I really want business owners to understand these products. And then I know as advisors, we are often faced on the other side of things having to explain to clients why they have certain products and so I'm hoping that today we'll cover some topics that'll help to give some foundational information to other advisors and to business owners and we've agreed to cover three topics so we're going to talk about life insurance so life insurance 101 what is it how is it taxed and and why do you need it and then we're going to talk about disability insurance and again we're going to talk about what that is how it's different from life insurance and and when you'd be looking to have a product like that and then finally critical illness insurance we'll very briefly touch on that i think it's a misunderstood form of insurance when you would need it uh, how it's taxed and and when it kind of pops up and so i think tracy and jerry you kind of sorted out who's going to handle what topics and i think jerry you were going to start us off here on a bit of a discussion about life insurance and I'm going to let you take it away because you are the expert and I am not and also because I really like the way that you describe life insurance products and how they fit into an overall scheme of planning so if you could give us some wisdom. <clears throat> Thank you Amanda. I guess uh, first off I would say that uh, uh, people have unexpected events happen in their lives. <clears throat> One of those events is death. And, uh, and it's unexpected when it happens too soon, but it's also expected when you put it into the frame of estate planning. Uh, so th- what we're gonna share with you a little bit is about how we approach when capital is required and uh, we look at some alternatives and basically providing that capital in the event of an unexpected death or in the estate planning context when death is expected and, and just knowing what the risks are that you face. So uh, life insurance is really no, nothing more than a risk management tool. It's a financial tool that's got some, <clears throat> excuse me, some unique attributes. Uh, number one, uh, it, insurance proceeds are tax-free when mm-hmm. they do come to the beneficiary. Uh, the second point is that the cash or the reserve within an insurance policy grows on a tax-sheltered basis. And, and thirdly is that if your insurance is coming into a Canadian controlled private corporation, uh, the stuff that you do every day and you're with your business clients, when insurance comes into that corporation, it also comes in tax-free. But there's a unique notional account that gets created called a capital dividend account, which really means the company receiving tax-free money can basically distribute it to its shareholders also on a tax-free basis. Which is pretty cool. It is very, very cool. It enables you to do lots of planning with corporate dollars that end up being used to deal with personal needs for capital. Mm -hmm. But before we go down that path and and arrive on insurance being the best option, uh, I think we as clients need to understand what are the options for providing that liquidity that's Mm -hmm. needed at that expect, unexpected or expected time. 
And so first off, you could say, well, we have plenty of assets <clears throat> in our estate. Uh, my kids don't need it all. So therefore, I think we could use some of that, those assets basically to deal with that need for liquidity, need for capital at death if that occurs. And uh, so uh, liquidating some assets may be an option. Uh, a second option might be, let's just go ahead and use the assets as security to obtain a loan. And so borrowing is an option to create the capital that might be needed to deal with the liquidity event as well. Thirdly, a lot of people will choose to self-insure. Let's not pass on the risk to somebody else. I know what the risk is. I'm just simply going to accumulate some money. So sometimes it's called a sinking fund. Sometimes it's called just savings for that event in the future. And we often do that. And then finally, we'd have to take a look at insurance because insurance could show up at the time when it's needed. When? When that unexpected death occurs. So a young family that's got a need to basically cover off income for that family. Uh, the breadwinner has passed away. Uh, we need a chunk of capital showing up at the right time. So insurance becomes the tool to help us do this. So I think it's important to understand insurance is one of the alternatives for providing capital. And our job is to help people understand those alternatives and then let them choose which they think is the most efficient. Mm -hmm. I, that's a great way to describe it, Jerry. And I think just to take a step back, when we're talking about needing capital for people listening to this, we're, we're really just talking about do you need cash in some way? Um, and there's often, there's often different reasons why that cash need may come about on death. And, and you've described one of them, Jerry, which is, you know, the breadwinner of the family dies. And where, where's the income coming from at that point to, to keep the family going? And then another reason you described is, well, what if there's going to be debt? Um, what if there's, you know, bank debt or, or credit card debt or other debt that may occur? People have mortgages on their homes that they may want to have cleaned out in the event of death. And the third reason is, is often tax debt. So that CRA problem, and, and we've discussed this on previous podcast episodes about how when you die, you're deemed to have sold everything that you own uh, the minute before you die. I call it the, the biggest yard sale of your life. And uh, that triggers some tax. And oftentimes, people don't know the amount that it's going to trigger. And they expect there to be a special money tree in the backyard that grows when they die that's going to pay it. And so this is why we like to look at some of these options that you've presented early on. So we estimate what are these debts going to be, where is the capital going to be needed, where is the cash going to be needed, and then once we know how much we think we're going to need, we can start looking at what options are available. So I think that's a really great way at looking at insurance. Insurance is not just a product you can buy, it is a solution to a problem. Correct. All right, and you mentioned, Jerry, when you were talking earlier about some of the tax benefits of insurance products, and I want to kind of take us back there again. Because you were talking about how insurance can, on, for example, a personal level or a corporate level, it has the component, which is the death benefit component, which is the component we mostly think about. If we're, if, I think as an average citizen, if we're buying insurance, we think, well, I have $100,000 in insurance or whatever we want to call it. And that's our death benefit that comes out on a tax-free basis. But then you mentioned another component to insurance, this sort of investment component. Can you explain those two different types of insurance and, and maybe what they're called in the field? So if someone hears okay. about them, they know. Yeah, very, 
I would break it down to say there's three real insurance options for most people. Uh, the first one is called term insurance. Uh, and that is simply where you pay a premium to an insurance company. The insurance company guarantees that they're going to provide the money, the cash that's needed when that unexpected event occurs, death. Okay? So, but term insurance implies that there is a specific period of time. Mm -hmm. So where you apply term insurance might be if there's a specific debt, a mortgage, uh, and the mortgage is going to be paid off within 20 years. So very often you might accommodate uh, covering the risk with a term insurance policy that covers that 20-year period of time. Uh, another option for term insurance, though, might be for people who have a large need but don't necessarily have a lot of premium dollars available to be used. So rather than provide them with a more permanent solution, you provide them with a temporary solution. Mm -hmm. I call it term insurance is often treated as a Band-Aid. You put wow. on a Band-Aid for a period of time until maybe the more long-term solution might be a better solution. But at least the event is covered. The risk is mitigated by using the term insurance. A, a second kind of insurance, and now this gets into insurance that's where you've got a death benefit, but inside that death benefit, uh, the Department of Finance allows us to accumulate a reserve. And so insurance companies have become creative and to say, well, let's accumulate that reserve. Now, accumulating the reserve means that you're covering off some of that risk yourself. You're not transferring all the risk to the insurance company. I'm going to accumulate some reserve to let the risk become less as the accumulation increases. And so that's called cash value for many people. And uh, so that cash value could be done in a product called the universal life or a product that basically where you choose the kind of investment you want to use for that particular event. You've got a guaranteed death benefit. You've got a guaranteed cost of insurance covering the risk component. But then you have this investment that could be in anything from guaranteed investment certificates all the way up to various stock indexes like the U.S. S&P 500 or something like that. Now, obviously, when you are doing this, you've got to consider what kind of risk am I willing to take, just as you do with normal investments. But it's a combination of insurance along with an investment that still adds up to the same 100000 or a $1 million or whatever that amount of debt that you're trying to cover off with the insurance proceeds. A th fourth or a, sorry, a third kind of insurance is whole life. Whole life is where we kind of put into a box all the components, all the expenses, all the administration charges, all the investment returns, and, and you participate in that box, in the, in the cost of that, in the mortality experience, in the expenses, in the administration. And that, that box basically shares the profits with you, and it's called dividends. But again, it's, it's a permanent insurance policy. You choose an amount of insurance. You choose an amount of money you want to put into this box. The insurance company mixes it up, and they say, here's your return <clears throat> on that box. But it's, it's, again, a permanent situation. So these latter two products are permanent insurance tools, more likely uh, to be for... Uh, not covering a debt that's got a specific period of time, but more likely covering um, a need like an estate planning need, like tax. The temporary insurance or the term insurance is, a, is suitable for 
covering a specific debt over a specific period of time. We likely could live longer than that specific period of time. Our life expectancy could be well into our 80s and 90s and even to 100. So if you have an obligation like a state tax, you would want to cover that with a permanent insurance product, one that's not just going to be ending in 20 years, mm -hmm. but something that's going to be there for the long time, for the permanently. And so the latter two types of insurance, that universal life option or the whole life option, are suitable in those kinds of cases where you can't exactly pinpoint when that death is going to occur. Uh, I should mention a little bit of a, an offside here, an offshoot, I should say. In estate planning, uh, oftentimes we've got the ability to defer the debt until the second death of two people. And there's, there's provisions called uh, spousal rollover. Um, when I pass away, I'm deemed to have rolled my assets to my spouse. Or I'm not deemed to, I have. I've set that up in my will. I've set this up in beneficiary designations. Now, but at second death is when this tax hammer comes down, right? So we can design the insurance, the permanent insurance, to cover that tax. We can design it to be a joint life, last to die kind of arrangement where the insurance shows up not at the first death but at the second death when it's needed to cover that tax liability that's been deferred until that second death. So that's commonly used in estate planning scenarios where you're funding, uh, you're providing cash needed to fund tax at death. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's a great way to describe those different options, Jerry. Thank you. I, you always break it down in such a, such a basic way because you've, you've given the examples and you've given it based on the need that it's addressing, and I really like that. So when someone comes and they say, I think I need insurance, instead it's almost you take a step back and say, well, what is your need? Why are, why are you worried? What is happening in your life? And then you make sure that the product matches the actual need. Because as you've said, there's no point getting term insurance if you're trying to plan for death, because what if the term expires before death? Correct. That's a very, very good point. Can I mention one more thing that just Absolutely. popped into my mind as we were talking about this? I guess I see the opportunity that really exists. A lot of the clients I work with, um, and most of them are business owners, and business owners are known to be probably the most charitable, most generous people in our city, in our community, right? And so when we are measuring what might be tax exposure at death, and especially with in the, in the state planning situation, I offer the option to say, look, there's really only three places that your wealth can be transferred to. It can be transferred to your family. Mm -hmm. It can be transferred to the government. <laughs> or it could go to charity. Okay, so you pick which two you would like us to work on. Yes. And most people, by the way, don't mention the government. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they don't mention this tax thing, right? But they're saying, well, I've never heard of this charity idea. So yes. here's the example. So let's say there's a... Somebody's got a million-dollar tax exposure at second death of mom and dad in, on their assets that they've accumulated. It might be business assets, might be registered retirement assets, uh, might be at their cottage, whatever the case, right? If there's a million dollars owing at that time, I offer them the option to say, you know, if you could arrange for a gift at second death of roughly $2 million, you could eliminate that million dollars of tax, would you be interested in looking at that? Mm -hmm. and, and, and most people are. Mm -hmm. 
right? Now, it comes down to this is where the insurance tool becomes very, very important. You're not, you're not basically funding a million dollars a premium to create a million dollar insurance policy. You're right. funding maybe 10 or 20 or 30 cents and a dollar of premium kind of right. thing. And whereas, so let's create an asset now at death that makes a $2 million gift. Again, you're only funding that asset with insurance that could be 10 or 20 or 30 cents in the dollar in cost. Mm-hmm. And you're creating a $2 million gift that's going to basically create a legacy for your family to be proud of going into the future and making our world a better place to live. And you've looked after the tax exposure. Because when you do make a gift of $2 million, you get, roughly speaking, a tax credit of close to half of that. Correct. So that is more interesting than anything. And actually, it has enabled us to really apply our insurance tools and products that we have very, very efficiently. So you're transferring the tax you would have paid to pay maybe premium towards an insurance policy, and that policy basically creates a gift that eliminates the tax. I love that. I think that's fabulous, and I appreciate you raising that because I did plan to have a future episode on charitable gifting, and I like the concept of of how insurance products actually can marry with that goal as well. And people don't often think about insurance products as solving sort of a dual need of not only do do we help with tax liability, but we can actually be philanthropic at the same time. And that's often a goal of people, but they can't find that pocket of money that they can use to be philanthropic. So very great point. I'm glad you raised that, Jerry. Thank you. So I wonder if we should segue a little bit here into the other two types of insurance. Let Jerry have some water and take a break and put Tracy on the hot seat. I, I really appreciated that summary of life insurance. And I'm wondering if we can switch gears a little bit and talk about disability insurance. So I think that most of us, in, in, if we've gone to university or, or seen an advisor in any way, we usually start talking about life insurance. That's the one that tends to be more accessible. But there's often, there's often this, this issue where we forget to talk about disability insurance. So Tracy, can you explain what disability insurance is and why you might want it? Well, disability insurance can be used for business owners that that's the biggest group of people that use that but also um, people see disability coverage inside their group plans and for people that are self-employed they usually end up buying their own disability plans so disability is coverage in the event of an injury or an illness so people can buy coverage exactly for injury that coverage can be 24 hours a day. So whether you're at work or you're hanging Christmas lights on the roof or you're doing some other event, that 24-hour injury coverage can be beneficial to someone that is a business owner. The other part is the payout of disability coverage can be tax-free if it's paid for personally. And it can also be managed as a, as a product that is used inside of a company as well. And I usually recommend that people look at long-term disability. So you can buy it in a term portion like Jerry talked about earlier 
where your payout is five years or your payout is is ten years or although also disability policies do end at age 65 and and the purpose of that is disability policies are meant for a period of time and then people are supposed to retire so when they retire that's usually at age 65 or 70 and that's when a policy would stop paying that tax-free benefit for business owners um, the disability that pays out the monthly income that is one option for them but also there is a disability insurance that is for business owners owners that they would also install in their buy sell agreements mm -hmm. and that would be an example of a business owner that does become disabled they've done the work with all of their facilitators in their planning group of collaborative advisors that include their accountant their lawyer and us as facilitators where that disability overhead what it does is if you have a business partner that becomes ill or disabled that can never return to the business that disability overhead can actually facilitate buying out the other partnerships and the business that they are in continues because they've created their own cash they're not borrowing money or selling assets to have that business continue I, that's that's fabulous and I remember when you first told me about this option um, for disability insurance and a buy sell I got very excited because when working with business owners and you kind of sit across the table from them and say okay well if you die what's going to happen to your share in the business and that one's usually pretty easy because we say oh we'll just buy some life insurance and then there'll be some money that'll come into the company and as Jerry said we can usually funnel that out on a tax-free basis to family and then the other business owners can pick up the share that that owner had and we all move on but then you go to the question of well what happens if you get ill or something happens that you're still here so life insurance isn't paying out how are we dealing with this and that usually causes a bit of a head scratch because where are we gonna get the money from and depending on what stage that business is at they may not be able to go to the bank and get a loan they may not have enough assets so having this concept of disability insurance that can pay out in that situation is fabulous well it can be added into the buy sell agreement as a as an ownership buyout mm -hmm. and then also personally you can have monthly income the the part of it that is is very risky is we know when someone passes away that's a simple solution in the life insurance and it can solve very complicated problems the issue is when we survive an illness or we survive an injury and then the cash planning gets a lot more complicated and that should be one of the the things that all business owners reach out to their advisors and discuss well and I feel like I'm always the one being the wet blanket in those meetings because I'll have business owners come in and 
and they want to negotiate a contract. And I mean, Tracy, you're referring to it as a buy-sell, um, and, and that's the, what we use as a term in, in our professions. Um, for anyone listening to this, it's, it's basically just your, your contract or your agreement that sets out what's happening to your ownership position on certain situations. And usually it's talking about when you would buy or sell a piece of the business, which is why we call it a buy-sell. It's also sometimes called a unanimous shareholders agreement. If you're in a partnership, it might be called a partnership agreement. If you're in a joint venture, it might be called a joint venture agreement, but it's just an agreement. And I'm usually the one at the table going, well, what happens if someone gets sick? What happens if you go bankrupt? What happens if someone gets divorced? What happens if the company goes under? And, and, and I have my clients so depressed after the first 20 minutes because I'm talking about all the bad stuff. But you really do need to talk about these bad things because if they happen, I want you to have a solution that's ready to go. And so this issue of illness and disability is one that people don't often talk about. But it is a very real issue because that person is still there. And so you want to be respectful to that person and to what they've given to the business. But if they're not able to fulfill their role, your business could go under on top of everything else that's happening. So it is it is a very, very scary situation to be in. Actually, just this week, I had business owners in the boardroom and the gentleman explained to me um, that early on in their business, when the business wasn't worth anything, when everyone was working in the business and they had their partnerships, they did not know how to even get to the table to discuss what should be in their agreements. The operating part of the business was something that they could map out and plan. They didn't even know that they could seek advisors like us that are collaborative, that bring it together. And they always felt that, well, we'll do some of those things when the business is profitable, when the business is, is you know, in a place that we can afford to do that. Well, early on in this business, they had um, an injury that turned into an illness, a long-term illness, and there was fractures between the partners. The partners were also all family, and it took many years, many years to heal. And now they have healed those, and it's many years passed by. But I explained to that gentleman if I could take that, and share that with other people, he was like, that was one thing that you can do for your business at any stage of the beginning part of that business. And we create those types of solutions based on the profitability of where the business is at at that time. So it's not always the grandiose plan at the beginning of the business. This is, this is something that people practice and they need to seek out advisors and improve on every time that business grows. So if I can encourage anyone just to reach out, do not let that happen to your business because it's a life-changing event that is not only about profit, it also um, takes a lot out of families and relationships and, and the things that actually become most important to us later in life. That's a really good story because I think it highlights I mean, these types of products are always useful, but in particular, they're key and they're important when you don't have other options. If you don't have cash reserves somewhere, you don't have the ability to go and get a loan from the bank. 
Um, and those are usually early on in your business. And if something happens, it can be the difference between your business going under or your business continuing. And you don't need to get the Cadillac of plans when you first start. And, and no one should ever come to you and say, here is the one-size-fits-all plan that's going to work for every business. If you hear that, run in the other direction. Um, you, you should be going to someone who's asking you, you know, what your cash flow is, what are your needs, and perhaps starts you with a more foundational plan, like you said, Tracy, and then you know, every couple of years you start reviewing it. Are your needs changing? Maybe now you move up from the Honda Civic to, I don't know, the Lexus, and then you eventually make your way to the Lamborghini or whatever you need, but it, it is a bit of a process. And I think as well to start early with insurance products is something that I learned in my life, um, especially with life insurance products. The older you get and the more health issues you have, and then your darn parents and their health issues can start to impact your premiums. So I'm blaming my parents on this one. That the older I got, the more expensive it got to get new insurance products because all of a sudden the health issues start popping up. But that tends to be when you start thinking about insurance products. So uh, if you're if you're in your early 20s and you're listening to this and thinking, I don't need insurance, yes, you do. And you should start looking at it now because your costs will be so much lower while you have your health and while your family has their health. And as you've said, Tracy, even if you're an employee in a business, likely within your group benefits plan, so within your health and your dental plan and your benefits that you have, there's probably a disability portion and a lot of them have a life insurance portion too that nobody knows about. So, you know, ask that question. Ask what, what the parameters are and, and what you have so that you can be knowledgeable in case something happens to you. Very good. Okay. Very good. Reach out and ask questions. And, and I actually always recommend to clients and people that visit with us, bring your group plan book with you. Who actually has studied what they have for coverage whether where it comes from or what it is under disability insurance and then of course we're going to come up to critical illness at some point in time if they hi there thank you so much for listening to my podcast i want to take a few minutes to explain who i am and why i started this podcast i am a tax lawyer and i practice in saskatoon saskatchewan canada I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some wonderful people who are very knowledgeable in their fields of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life. And maybe we will even give you a laugh in the meantime. But enough about me. Back to the episode. Can you explain what critical illness is and how it's different from disability insurance? Yes. Critical illness pays out a lump sum of money based on usually the the criteria is heart attack, stroke, cancer, and then they go through a list of 21 other additional items. Some companies vary on what they pay out for. But basically what it is, is it has the same 
idea as other insurance that Jerry talked about, life insurance, which pays out a lump sum. Critical illness also pays out a lump sum. And it's based on um, you can buy a term portion, you can buy a permanent portion with um, a cash reserve in it. You can also buy it with return of premium. But the, the biggest difference between the disability and the critical illness is critical illness pays out the lump sum. Disability provides a monthly income for the term of time that that is purchased. So a lot of business owners use critical illness coverage and sometimes they use it as even like an employee retention thing. But most of the time what they buy it for is key man because if this person becomes, you know, has a critical illness, they may recover from that. And they may recover from that event and return in full capacity or they may never recover. But if it's, you know, um, a $250,000 payout, what happens is that coverage, if it's personal, that person can use that money as a lump sum, it's tax-free, and they can reach out to treatment. Even, even the critical illness policies, they actually offer what we call as, as uh, riders, where you get special doctor advice. You can travel across the country or internationally to be able to seek treatment, or there, there's all kinds of options to it that really what it does is it allows you to maintain the cash that you've built up. So if someone's in their 40s and they've saved their million dollars towards retirement, and it's gonna take another 12 or 14 dollars or 14 years to double that money for retirement, and then they would have enough to carry them through for their desired income. And critical illness at that age 40 could actually deplete that reserve of investment funds that they're saving for retirement. So what are you doing with that? You are actually protecting your risk. And protecting your risk is usually ends up being one or two percent of your actual portfolio growth. So when we talk about finding ways to cover off those events, a critical illness can really deplete your estate. So that's what it's actually meant for. That's a, that's a great explanation. And you made a reference in your comments there to key man. Um, and I remember being a young lawyer and hearing about key man, key man insurance and, and not asking the question of what people were talking about and then I got a little older and a little braver and said, what do we mean by key man insurance? So if, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, there's probably some people that are pretty key to your organization or pretty important. And if one of them goes down for the count, how are you going to replace them? And, and as you said, Tracy, you maybe the business owner might need to hire someone in the interim until they can get on their feet, this other person, or maybe you're training up somebody from scratch because this person's never coming back. And there is a cost to that. And so one of the things that we often think about is, is do we have some money in reserve to handle that as business owners in the event that somebody goes down? And, and that's something that we often don't think about. So that's, that's right. Great. And key man is, a, is really important with critical illness because when you have someone that suffers an illness, there's also financial issues. But on the other side of it, what operating monies do you want to spare to actually 
keep the business in a continuation growth or expansion mode. Absolutely. So reach out, reach out to your people and, and get some definitions and, and get some advice. Well, and I think that's a, a great way to kind of wrap this up because there's a there's definitely a theme that's come out of our conversation today. And of course, Tracy, you and you and Jerry and I, we're all we're all collaborative folk. We love working with other advisors, and so we're always preaching to to people that we talk to about reaching out and asking questions. I think there's often a fear that when you reach out to insurance advisors, that there's going to be an immediate cost. And I think it's important to remember that that there isn't always an immediate cost and that you can ask questions and find out what's going to be right for you and you don't have to drop thousands and thousands of dollars in the first phone call. And so that's something I think that's very important to remember because that phone call can save you a lot of money on the back end. So thank you both very much today for your time. I learned something. I always learn something. I now have some great definitions that I can use with clients the next time I'm chatting with them. And I'm going to have to have you on again because I think it would be helpful for us to do part two of Insurance 101 where we start talking a little bit about some of the strategies or ways that we can utilize insurance for business owners. Um, we just couldn't put it all into today's episode. So thank you both for your time, for your expertise, and uh, it was really fun. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Amanda. We enjoyed this very much. Well, that is all we have time for today. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and also to find out more about today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my blog, The Tax Chick Blog, and to follow me on Instagram under the handle at tax.chick. A huge thank you to my guest today, and also a big thank you to my husband who created the music used in this episode. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.